every now and then a song comes along that feels like a real journey. When you listen to it, it's like it invites you into this new world and at some point the world ends and the song finishes, but the feeling that it's created within you lingers. Australian duo Flight Facilities made something so special when they wrote Claire de Lune. It's elegant and it's expansive and it's a seven and a half minute song that they didn't even know they wanted to release in the first place because it was so different to their other material. And yet it ended up being one of their most cherished songs. I'm Linda Mariano and in this episode of Inspired, you'll hear Hugo Grosman and James Lyle from Flight Facilities talking about their deep love of classical music about the mystery within the lyrics of this song and about the very tiny vinyl touch in the outro. This is Flight Facilities' Claire de Lune. Jimmy and Hugo from Flight Facilities hanging out with you. Hello. Hello, Hello. Linda. So take us back. Where were you? Uh, I'd say our first memory would be we were flying to Benny's wedding. I think um, we were flying from. It was one of those leaving moments. I remember being between Darwin and Denpasar. Maybe we had the first chat there, but then when we really spoke about it, we were sitting on the cold tile, well, warm tiles of Denpasar Airport. Yeah, right. And we'd had one delay... And it was like, you know that point where you used to get to in Denpasar Airport, like, you're like, oh, I'll just get some food later. And it's just like, Chung. you go through a thing and it's just like, you can't turn back. And Oh, yeah. And then you're stuck stuff. with whatever's there. Yeah, and that's the point where we were like, we may as well talk about the song. I downloaded the Darjeeling Limited soundtrack, or I bought it for my sister or something like that. And it was, it was I think it's the last song on that. And so for, I kept listening to that soundtrack. And so what song in particular were you listening to? Claire de Lune, that's what happened. <laughs> I'm not sure who's the composer. I'm, no, Debussy's the composer. I'm, yeah. But uh, yeah, Jimmy and I were just sharing an earbud. I remember being on the plane and listening to it because we listened to it quite a few times. Mm. And we were like, this is such a great song. Strange for Hugo and I to agree 100% in the beginning and have that idea stay true. And in this case, it did for a uh, a year pretty much like, yeah I think that's totally true and this time we were like god this is good and it was it wasn't so much about like let's just like recreate this but it was more like let's uh, let's try and capture the emotion that it gives because there are certain builds and then stops that it has that's like makes you feel so good and you just want to keep listening to it over and over again trying to recapture that it's obviously got something to do with the chords and and things like that but even then you don't always manage to capture that kind of Mm. magic so we were really looking to to do that are you Mm. classical music fans yeah yeah like i think moonlight sonata was my favorite song for like Mm. years and years and years when i was growing up because i think one of my first kindergarten 
experiences was them trying to make us go to sleep. And I, of course, never slept once, but just listened to the song. So that was the song they kind of tried to Pavlov dogs us and just mm. put us down to the same <laughs> song every time. And I would just sit there and listen to it. And just the, the way that it would be like, um, you know, there was sorrow or like, you know, regret or something in it. And then it would be like so beautiful and then it would dip straight back down into something a little melancholy. music that we make because there's drums and there's so many you know I mean classical music has drums and stuff but there's so many more like elements about our music and we're kind of a bit more linear I think we just don't chop and change but I love trying to add that sort of thing and so when we approached this song I was like oh you know we get to kind of write something similar to that it was hard trying to get trying to cross those boundaries as well we would normally extract from other dance music or other pop songs but this I think this is the first time we were like let's try and pull something out of something a bit more classical so maybe that's maybe we should be trying to do that again Tell me about that process of then bringing the original Cladaloon into the flight facilities world for me, it's that little drop where it kind of builds all the way up and then has the ascending... I love that you just referred to a Claude Debussy song as a drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the Debussy drop. <laughs> it, it, it builds all the way up and then the music actually drops out and then, mm. it, and then it has the ascending sort of arpeggiated pianos that come up. And so we were trying to dissect all those notes and that took long enough to try and get that right well that was we also established that that was the part that we felt the most about was that part because it does all build up to that one moment but then we realised and then it's really pretty and and sort of haunting and so we took that and we tried to cut it up a number of ways there was one point where we had it over a beat and, and the way that that part of the song flows it has it's a bit more of a swing and so we were like, how can we cut these up and make it a bit more straight? I think we, we had the initial debate was like, should we make it swing? And then it was like, no, that doesn't really work. And then we're like, stuff it, let's not have any drums at all. And then, uh, and then we went, wait, if we cut these notes up and displace them across, uh, you know, I think we dropped a couple. It's like, doom, 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 doom. If you got a computer and slowed that part of that song down, you could probably see... And snipped out every, like, third note or yeah. something like that. We recreated the progression so it fell into more of a 4-4 a, a four, four timing. Mm. And so that's how we got the the bell ascension of our own after the uh, after the chorus. So and, and then from there, it was about placing those sort of long soft synth cello things underneath each of those doing the first two notes which repeat over and over there's like a kind of French horny sounding thing at the very beginning and you hear the vinyl crackle and then the French horn comes up and that was a proper mistake that we left in the whole song and it just keeps on dipping and like coming up dipping throughout the whole song and we accidentally left it on it it was just perfect and then at the start when it does that thing we're just like oh shit it's just one of those things like <laughs> like oh that's gonna stay in i also remember the other thing about it was wanting to have a song that i like typically i would listen to a lot of records back then as well and you'd put them on one that was your favorite record and you'd fall asleep listening to it and so you'd hear the you know you'd wake up hours later with the bump of the loop of the record that yes and we always thought of it as 
I don't know. There was like a, a certain vision that went with it sometimes that like driving through the night sort of thing. And I, I think that that carried on into the video pretty well. But yeah, so we kind of had a little vision for it in, in that aspect to be one of those kind of driving, brooding songs. And then if you were to loop it, it would just yeah. kind of do its thing in a really nice way. Don't go, tell me that the lights won't change. Tell me that you'll feel the same and we'll stay here forever. Let's talk about Christine Hoberg and who she is. She was we found her by accident. I was trawling through the junk mail of our of our email and and every now and then I used to go in there to see if any any emails had fallen in there and it was just a, we didn't used to get that many emails back then. <laughs> And she, uh, I think she'd listened to Cravey and just said, oh, if you ever want to work together, you know, here's, here's my voice. And it was like, a, you know, beautiful voice. She was from New York. And I think it was the type of voice that you knew it had to be something delicate. You couldn't throw it on, you know, a dance music song or anything like that. Mm. If I would know you. And um, we was it was fell right around the same time that we were creating this, and it just seemed natural. We're like, let's just give this this girl a go. And she's written, I think, probably some of the initial versions of Cladalune had full verses, like these extra things about you know seasons and colors and all this sort of stuff. But in a weird way, our, our dance music brains came back to it, and we just cut it down to the simplicity of a few phrases. Uh, to to make it have its most impact, we took that was where the dance music approach came into that really sort of subtle song that we kept it to just a chorus and these other sort of vocal loops until the, until later in the song. It's only got two chord changes. It just like goes between two chords and then mm. fills you know the rest of the void up. And at the end, it kind of goes up to four, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not four. all that complicated. That's the funniest thing is when, when we did these shows with the orchestra, they were kind of like, and that again, and that again for the next six minutes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you made it easy for them. Yeah, yeah. That's the what it was. The beauty and the simplicity. But do you know what she's? Do you know what her sentiment was when what she was singing about? With the, no, where no, we're going I, and all that. Well, I, I think that we've still never met her. If we, yeah, you still never met her. Never met Christine. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we, we've, we've met like online We've tried and we spoke a lot online And it just got past the point And now, you know, we've never met her It's <laughs> crazy, can, huh? Maybe you can never meet Yeah, maybe Maybe, maybe it's just spoil the illusion the yeah. yeah No, I mean like it'd be really nice to meet her But I mean it just happened like that Which is crazy mm. when you think about it but yeah, did you ever ask her what the story of you, it is? You could get more of a sense of it in the in the bigger picture of the song, but a lot of the time we quite enjoy making songs ambiguous enough that people could because that's the thing with that song. We've heard of people using it for both funerals and weddings. Well, you can like it's even the line "Don't go, comma tell me that the lights won't change." You can go "Don't go pull out the comma," and it's a whole different thing. Mm. You know, "Don't go tell me." You know, it's also yeah, wanting to maintain a certain state of something. And if you want to, you know, tell me that lights won't change. It's like you want to stay exactly how things are forever, and that might be in a sense of positivity, or it could be I don't want this to end, even though inevitably it has to. So it's what I think for me, it's whatever people read into, and and how they how they've adopted that song, and that means more 
to me than anything else that you can have a hundred different people with a hundred different interpretations. And I imagine you get people reaching out to you saying that stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it becomes then a part of them. And that's that's so much better than going like, no, this is what it's about. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did, please click like and subscribe and check out all of our other episodes, including one with the wonderful Kimbra talking about her song Settle Down and about how she took on this subject of settling down when she wrote this song as a teenager. I think I was approaching the theme with a little bit of sarcasm. Um, I mean, obviously at that age, it's not something you're thinking about in terms of a literal idea, but it is also a time for a young girl when you are kind of formulating a lot of your own identity and um, beginning to become aware of social constructs. So I'm sure I was thinking about it, and I do remember watching Stepford Wives around that time. Remember Nicole Kidman was in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, and I do remember being quite sort of fascinated by this facade of like the perfect housewife woman who underneath is kind of breaking and the scaffolding is kind of falling apart. I want to settle down. Check it out. I'm Linda Mariano and I'll catch you next time. You